You're listening to the No Hacks Marketing Podcast. Each week, we take a deep dive into online marketing topics, covering search, content, CRO, social, and performance optimization to help you level up your marketing. No hacks, no shortcuts, only long-term success. Here are your hosts, Slobodan Manich and Katherine Kambau. Welcome to another episode of No Hacks Marketing Podcast. Today is all about conversion rate optimization. If you're still on the fence about getting started with CRO, listen carefully because we'll talk about two different ways you can get started with optimization. And we have a great episode for you, not just because it's a CRO episode, but because for the first time ever, we have a Olympic gold medalist joining us in this podcast. And that guy is John McDonald, an absolute must follow if you're into conversion rate optimization. John is the president and founder of The Good, an e-commerce commercial rate optimization agency. Some of their notable clients include Adobe, Nike, Verizon, Intel, and more. John McDonald, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Now, I'll tell you what I really like about The Good is your mission statement, and that's to remove all the bad experiences online and until only the good ones remain. But let me start with a question. What are the most common e-commerce websites' mistakes in 2021? Well, I think that still to this day, most are not involving their consumers in the optimization of their site. So they're going online and they're looking at all these best practice articles or they see their competitors use a Shopify app and then they do They're saying, hey, well, I, that must work for them. I need to use it. And I think, you know, copying is not conversion rate optimization. It's it's really hard to understand if something's working for a competitor. And I think that too many brands that when we first start working with them, we ask them, why did you make this decision? And nine times out of 10, it's because we saw a larger competitor doing it. And that's a big challenge. It's it's something that really can just lead them down a dark path. So I think that's a big challenge still. I also think that a lot of brands aren't tracking every click and movement that happens on their site. The number of even large brands that we end up working with at The Good, when we initially start talking to them and setting up our data collection, some simple things are just missing. The number of times we've gone into Google Analytics and they don't have one checkbox ticked for e-commerce tracking just blows my mind. It's such a simple thing to do and it gives them so much better data, but they're just not even paying attention. And so... A lot of those small things are still really, really common, unfortunately. And those are really, let's call them rookie mistakes, because those, like, you can't even launch a website without checking that checkbox for (laughs) for e-commerce tracking. But yeah, I've worked with smaller brands than you have, and they set up Google Analytics, and we have Google Analytics, and that's it. Mm -hmm. It's not really configured. It's not tracking. It's Mm -hmm. not capturing the data you need. But definitely, I agree with you on that one. So I have you here, and you've been doing CRO for a very long time and with huge brands, and there's this book, Opting into Optimization, that we will Mm -hmm. talk about some more today. So you're an ideal person to ask this. How does a, a brand go from the traditional approach of, Let's build a website, pay someone to build it, and then let it just stale out. And then three years later, do the same thing. How do they go from that mindset to more of a continuous improvement mindset? Yeah, optimization is all about iterative incremental improvements. So think of it in the United States, we have what's called a 401k, right? Which is a retirement account. And you put a little bit of every paycheck in and then it compounds that growth in the investment. So by the time you're ready to retire, you have way more money 
in the end than what you've contributed, right? Because you just let it sit there and compound. And really that iterative mindset is what needs to get taken on on e-commerce websites. And unfortunately, so many brands are missing that point. They just are not looking at their website as an opportunity to move from building a house and then every three years burning it down and rebuilding the entire house. The problem with that is that you end up burning down all the good stuff that your site's doing. You end up burning down all of the goodwill that you've built up with your consumers. They, they finally figured out how to use your navigation and find the products and services they want that you offer. And then you go and you change your whole site and they have to start over from scratch. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. I'll get it. the, the, the bigger issue for me though, is that they lose the opportunity for that compounding growth that when you burn the site down and you rebuild it, you're taking a lot of risk. You're, you're not only losing the opportunities, but you're also injecting a lot more risk than you would if you were to iterate your site over time. So several brands a year come to us looking for a complete redesign. And they say, hey, I'm working with this digital marketing agency and they specialize in building e-commerce websites and they also do CRO on the side. They optimize sites and it's a bullet point on their website. Well, come to find out that those agencies, often what they're doing is bringing people in the door saying, hey, we'll optimize your site, but that's not where they make their money or where they specialize. So what they say is, hey, really what you need to do here after assessing this is just Burn it down, start over. And I'm not suggesting people are being sketchy and doing that. That they're, but it's really what they're incentivized to do. And I think that too many brands fall for that instead of saying, you know what, I know I could iterate my site over time and reduce all the risk, get all of the gains, and start that compounding growth today. The reason I was smiling the whole time, I worked for one such agency, not sketchy in any way, but it was mm-hmm. primarily a website building agency with me being the, the bullet point for CRO, essentially. Yes. And a few times I've had a client about to do redesign and ask, should we do CRO? We, we need to wait before we start doing CRO. We're redesigning anyway. No, you need to start now so you can do a better redesign to know what works and what doesn't work. And luckily, clients do accept that and... and mm-hmm. They, they start working on it. But the, the, the traditional approach and the traditional mindset, it's very much out there in people's minds still that you just need yeah. to burn down the house, make a better house, or hopefully a better house, just a nicer, newer house. Let's call it that. But yeah, that, mm-hmm. that, that's still there. That's for exactly sure. it. Yeah. What they end up doing is just applying a new coat of paint on a very similar house. But they that, spent all this money rebuilding true. it. They, you know, didn't really renovate much of the interior and they just applied a new coat of paint. And that's not going to get the job done these days. With so many competitors actually improving their website. Yeah, you're you're absolutely Mm -hmm. right. So uh, in the introduction, I said, we'll talk about two different ways to sort of get your feet wet and start, let's say, opting into optimization, start Mm -hmm. start doing that. So one, the easy way is a one-off assessment. It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. only done one time. It means it's not a continuous process. You can repeat it right. once a year, twice a year, whatever you want. And this is really how I noticed your profile online, uh, a landing page teardown video that Catherine mm-hmm. has sent to me a long time ago. And I was, she was impressed. I was impressed when I saw it as well. Could you talk our audience through what a landing page tear, teardown is? It's something that your agency, mm-hmm. The Good, offers. Yeah, yeah. 
we we offer several products around this, but the they all kind of can be summarized in one way. It's looking at your website and assessing where the challenges are based on some pieces of data. Now, the number one, we always want to do everything based on data whenever possible, right? True conversion optimization is, is tracking every click and movement that happens on your site in an aggregate fashion, right? So there's no privacy or GDPR concerns, anything of that sort, but using customer interactions to help you decide what should be changed. So what we typically like to do is do eye tracking heat maps. And we own a tool called Visual Eyes that allows people to run artificial intelligence eye tracking. So we use that. Basically, you can upload your site or take an image or just give it the URL and it will spit out within a few seconds an eye tracking heat map. Great tool, really kind of tells you what people are paying attention to, what they're ignoring, how much of the content they're reading. All of this type of stuff can be really, really helpful for making recommendations. So with these teardowns, what we're looking to do is to help spread the word of optimization, but you know, really be helpful and help people to further our mission of removing all those bad online experiences until only the good remain. Throughout our 12-year or so history at The Good, we have always had one ethos, and that is to share all of our thinking and charge for the practical application of that thinking, right? So you can do this all yourself, but a lot of brands come to us and say, hey, I don't have time to do that. You are definitely, your team is definitely the experts in this. You have better tool sets. You can do it more quickly. Yes, those things are all perhaps true, but our goal has always been to, to share as much as we can and make sure that we are helping further that mission along. And that's why our team writes 2,000 words a week that we put up on our site for free. All helpful content, never a sales pitch, right? It's just, this is what we've learned recently. You need to know and you need to implement. Why you mentioned the book, that will be my second book of all about how to optimize your site. And doing courses like I've done for Shopify, et cetera, these teardown events, I do them all the time. And I put so much effort into that content because I want to further the mission and really help people to understand how they can continually upgrade their website and make sure that they're providing a, a great customer experience. I think that's a very noble way of, of approaching conversion rate optimization because ultimately it is about making a better online experience for people every user of the internet mm -hmm. and every individual and every agency that can sort of push or push that further is, is just helping the common cause. You mentioned the Shopify course and I, I checked that out. I think it's a short course under an hour, I think, but it, it's action packed. It, it's, it's called how to assess your store and improve your conversion rate and really does just that. You did that with Shopify. Uh, so uh, you talk about some of the key pages there, homepage, category mm -hmm. page, product page audit. So it's a free course. Anyone can take this course. I think this is a really good start for probably a small business, medium-sized business to that, that never worked with a CRO agency or mm -hmm. any kind of optimization so they can know what to expect out of the process and to understand what's going on. So what was the goal with the course? Was it for, for small businesses or how does that work? Well, 
the goal for the course, yes, it is for smaller sites who perhaps wouldn't be able to afford to work with the good. Maybe they don't have enough revenue yet or enough traffic, or they just want to take their site to the next level, no matter what size they are. And they want to know where to start. And so this is just a step beyond the basics, right? We don't talk about in this course what CRO is. We don't talk about the tool sets that you need, right? We're getting into the actual work on these sites, if you will. And uh, Shopify came to us because the we did a landing page teardown event with them. And like you were talking about, and it was one of the most popular events that they had had last year. And so they said, hey, John, can we do this as a course? And you can show our brands how to do this so that we don't have to keep having you back and doing these for, for all of our brands. And I said, sure, let's let's do it. And the goal with this is really to help brands bust out of the best practices. What I mean by that is best practices, they're just a recipe for disaster and uh, mediocre results, right? Really what we want to help brands do is identify their own areas of opportunity. Make sure they understand based on their site and their site's visitors what they should be doing. So coming up with a personalized plan and then making these modest changes to really help them understand how to improve their site. And we do that all in about 45 minutes of the course. So it's in bite-sized chunks, 10, 15 minutes each video. But the goal here was to take a look at three main pages that almost every Shopify site is going to have, which is their homepage, their category template, and our product detail page template. And to show in action how you can assess each of these and some of the things you should be looking at and questions you should be asking your consumers. So we really push throughout it. I mentioned several times in the course how to talk to your consumers, how to get their feedback. And that is extremely crucial because a lot of these brands don't have enough traffic to do things like heat maps, right? It would take them weeks to get relevant data or even enough, you know, definitely not enough to do A-B testing, right? Where it would take months to prove out a test. So I wanted to give them other ways that they could go get that data right away and start improving their site. Right. And this is what I think is crucial for small businesses, it is about making the website better for the audience you have. The best practices, they're a recipe. doesn't have to be for disaster. It's a recipe for something. You don't know mm. if it's a recipe for what you're trying to cook. It, it's just a recipe that someone wrote when they wanted to do something. Mm-hmm. But talking to your audience, and this is why the course I think is really valuable, because it doesn't tell you you need to have this kind of navigation because you're an e-commerce website. That. That's just, it doesn't apply to every single e-commerce business, Shopify or not. Talking mm-hmm. to audience and understanding uh, where the friction is, where the motivation comes from, all that stuff. Like this is, this is where you really start optimizing. So, so those are the, the two ways for smaller businesses to do one-off assessment. Landing page teardowns and they can look, you have quite a few on your website and, and they can look at that and see some of the principles that apply or approach you about it or that Shopify course, which I think is mm-hmm. really, really good for any brand that wants to get started. Shopify or not, I mean, all e-commerce websites have similar funnel, mm-hmm. at least. The, the second step or, or a more long-term plan would be continuous optimization or continuous mm-hmm. improvement. And this is what your book talks about as well. The, the many tiny gains, the 1% rule, all that stuff. So mm-hmm. what is what is the what is the the 
biggest difference between uh, how a small brand can do this continuous improvement versus mm -hmm. an enterprise level client? Well, even you say enterprise level, but I think that gap is actually pretty small from a startup brand to even doing, let's say, 50,000 unique sessions per month on your site, right? Even if you can get to that level, which almost any brand can do if they decide they want to spend some money driving traffic, right? They have enough validation. That's kind of the lowest bar that I want to see for, for doing continual optimization and being able to see a return on that investment which is actually the key. There's no reason to do optimization if you can't get a return on it, right? I think that the book was, the genesis of the book is that we've done what we call our, our conversion growth program, which is an ongoing month-to-month -month optimization program that is built on the foundations of continual optimization. And we've done that for, for 10 years now and have iterated and learned and have a really solid foundation for how to do this now. And so I wanted, we've learned so many lessons and, and I would almost call them laws along the way, things that are just true when it comes to optimization, but most people aren't doing. And I wanted to get this out into the world. And for years, I've been doing talks at, at conferences and, and podcasts and things of this sort about each of these individually as they've come along. And I thought I should bring all this together in a book. And with some encouragement from the team and, and some other folks, I was like, okay, well, I'll sit down and, and do my best to write this. And it's been about a year-long process. But the idea behind this is that there's a handful of, of just true laws, things like best practices are for beginners, right? Should you be looking at best practices or should you right. be using your own data, right? Understanding that there's no silver bullets in optimization, right? So there's not that one thing you're going to do to your site that's just going to double your conversion rate overnight. Right. And so many brands come to us and say, hey, what? I need to double my conversion rates right now because holiday season's coming up. It's like, look, I'm sorry. That's not how this works. It requires data and it requires an iterative approach and compounding growth. Like you mentioned that 1% rule, right? There's uh, James Clear who wrote Atomic Habits. Great book, great philosophy, but it could really be summarized up in that all you need to do is get 1% better every day. Don't go swinging for the moon. Just get incrementally better and you will see massive gains. And that's really what the program is all about. Right. And the book really talks to that. And the book has been Amazon bestseller for years now. It, it's, it's top 10. It's been in top 10 for, for such a long time that it's, it's ridiculous almost. Now, yeah. you, you said that there are no easy double your conversion rate kind of quick mm -hmm. unless you just have heavy discounts. And I know you have an opinion mm -hmm. on that using yeah. discounts as a conversion. We're not going to get there. But there, <laughs> there are some quick wins still. There are some things that mm -hmm. every brand can do. And I read a blog post that uh, you had at Clavio blog uh, mm, a few yeah. months earlier this year. And number one there was, and it's almost too simple when you say it, but number mm -hmm. one is to use plain language that everyone can understand. Yes. And it, it is just shocking how many brands fail to do this. And they talk about their tech specs and what they want to say and not what the customer wants to hear or needs to hear mm -hmm. at that point to make a decision. So there still are. Do you have any other quick wins that can be other than this is broken, the checkout page is not working, mm -hmm. fix that because right. that happens as well. 
Yeah, of course. I mean, we're, we're, I would hope brands have a functioning site before they just start to optimize, right? So right. That's, that's kind of table stakes as far as I'm concerned. But the reality is that so many brands are just putting up barriers. They're getting in the way of their consumer doing the two things that they're at their website to do. And only two things. We've been doing this for over a decade, never seen anything else. And that is to understand if your product or service can help solve their pain or their need. Right. And two, if they determine that it can, they want to purchase. They want to convert as quickly and easily as possible. If you just help them accomplish those two tasks, you will have a lifelong brand fan and your conversion rates and thus your revenue will skyrocket. So, so many brands look at conversion rate optimization as a number, meaning our conversion rates at X and our revenues at Y. And if we increase the conversion, we'll get our revenue up. And they look at it as a way to increase revenue. That is an outcome, but it should not be the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal should be improve your customer experience. Get your customers involved and have a habit of doing that. If you're able to do that, then you will see the outcome of increased revenue. And that's because your consumers and you as a brand have the same goal and that's to convert, right? You want the brands, you want the consumers to convert, the consumers want to convert. So make it easy for them to do so. Right. I mean, if they're a visitor before the conversion, like there's at least some intent to make a conversion. Yes. Make a, there, there's some interest there. So like you said, don't, don't be in the way of mm. that conversion by I was working with a client last year and they were selling uh, watches for children, smart watches for children. And okay. one of the first things in the product description was IP68 waterproof. Exactly. And this is the plain language. I mean, if parents or grandparents are supposed to be buying that, I'm a technical person. I don't know what that means. Right. I, like, I, have no, I know it means I can either splash it or submerge it, but why do I care? Yeah. You know, why do I right. care about those numbers? And it's so easy. Sometimes it's just lack of time and then you copy your mm -hmm. tech specs into the product description field. Sometimes some brands don't know any better. And, and, but plain language is just such a valuable tool for commercial you know, optimization. It is. We, for years, worked with Easton Baseball, which I don't know if how much your listeners know about baseball or even Little League here in the United States, mm -hmm. which is young kids playing baseball, a very competitive level. And Easton, about 99% of Little League and college swings are done with Easton baseball bats. Okay. Now, they're not in the major leagues because they make aluminum bats, which aren't legal in uh, Major League Baseball. But... Um, what we found, we went in, they said, hey, we sell a decent amount of bats online, but we have two problems. One is our return rate is through the roof. It's like 50%. And when we get a returned bat, it's almost always been used because for some reason or another, and it makes it really hard to, we can refurbish it, but we lose margin and we can sell it as dented and whatever, and it's fine, but we want to reduce that. The second thing is that overall, we're just finding that consumers are looking at this category page and they bounce and we don't understand why and we need to fix that. And knowing that everybody knew who an Easton baseball that was at that level, they shouldn't be having these problems, right? Well, what we found was we did user testing. So we sent people who matched their ideal customer profiles to their site, asked them to complete some tasks, and we recorded videos of it. And we trained these people to talk out loud about the experience that they're having. 
And what we found was that it was vast majority of their buyers were parents of these little league children. And the parents knew enough about baseball. A lot of the fathers and even the mothers had played softball for years and they knew about Easton from them. And the problem was they, they'd go onto the website and it would be a wall of bats, right? So every category image would look the exact same. It was just a little bat on the picture. And right. underneath, they would have all these technical terms. And Easton branding came up with all these technical terms for things like reduces the sting in your hands oh. when you hit the ball. Right. And they would come up with things like, hey, where they'd come up with a term for where the weight is in the bat. Right. Is it at the tip of the bat or closer down to the hands or is it a, a thicker bat? And we said, you know what? Parents don't know what yeah. they need. And in addition to that, they were getting so many returns because some bats are only certified for some leagues. Now, little league is a general term, but there are several different divisions that all have their own certifications for which bats can be used. And parents had no idea what bats they needed to be certified. So they'd buy the wrong one. Their kid would use it for batting practice before the game and ding it all up, right? And be like, yes, yeah, is a great bat. I love this. Get up to the plate and the umpire would say, you can't use that bat. Go get a different bat. And then the parent would, you know, say, well, I just spent several hundred dollars on this bat. I'm going to send it back to Easton and get a refund. So what we decided to do was just make a, a quick bat finder survey. And we said, okay, three questions. All we need to know, and we can get you down to a couple of bats out of the selection of dozens. What kind of hitter is your child? Are they swinging for the fences and trying to hit a home run? Or are they just trying to get on base, right? And not every kid at that age can hit a home run, right? And so you kind of have a good understanding of whether or not your kid is doing that. And then what league are you playing in? Simple question. Every parent knows what league they their child's playing. Yeah. And so, and then the third one was just, uh, what's the, the weight of your child? Because that would help determine what size bat they need. So three simple questions. And we got it down to giving them two or three different bats at different price points. And now they could make a decision based on price point and comparing those two bats. So just getting those technical terms and talking to consumers down into a simple survey had a 240% increase in online sales. Wow. And it was just something pretty simple. What about returns? Those were cut down yeah. dramatically, I would assume. Exactly. The returns right. were cut down dramatically. And in fact, they reallocated a handful of their customer service team to other areas wow. of the business, which had a profound impact on them. Absolutely. So now that customer service reps were writing better content for the site about all the questions they would get from consumers when they would call in. So now we're answering more questions online. We're able to just have the snowball effect of, of again, compounding growth, right? No, absolutely. And also, I would imagine their session, average session duration was way down after mm -hmm. you didn't force the parents to browse 50 different bats before <laughs> they find what they're looking for. So I had one final question. You mm -hmm. did explain that, though. So the question was, how do you build a business case for CRO? So mm -hmm. this example is really a, a perfect example for how to build a business yes. case because you can move your customer support team into different areas mm -hmm. they can work on the content like you're reallocating that money those salaries into growing your mm -hmm. business versus just you know putting out fires but if you had to explain it in a few sentences what is mm -hmm. the best way to build a business case for cro in an organization that is not really on the cro 
uh, bandwagon just yet. Well, look, I'm a data and numbers person, right? And I think the the reality is that 90% of e-commerce managers say it's crucial to their strategy to be doing conversion optimization. What does this mean? Well, if you're not doing optimization, you're behind already because 90% of other brands know about it and are saying this is really, really important. However, 82% also say they're concerned that they're not doing enough optimization, right? So there's always more to be done. And so that's something to be thinking about. And then about half, 49% say that they would rank it in the top three of all requirements for marketing growth. So what do I mean by that? Well, out of the biggest return on investment activities you can do, it's easily in one of the top three. If I'm biased, but I would say it's number one, but it ranked in the top three for over 50% of people who answered the question. I would agree with you that it's number one. And one thing I love is that I still call it conversion rate optimization because, you know, CRO, that's what it is. You keep saying conversion optimization, which is the correct way to call it. I'll correct myself at some point because conversion rate optimization is adding a discount if you want to fix your conversion rate. Mm -hmm. You you can do it that way. This is about revenue and about long-term growth and just right. That is not. always the challenge. It's unfortunately our industry is called conversion rate optimization (CRO). That's what most people know it as. But it sounds cool. If you, CRO sounds cool. You have to admit that. <laughs> I, I sure. I I love it. I, I mean, I've been in this industry for a decade plus. Right. The challenge here is that when you go talk to senior management, like a CMO or CEO or CFO, right, at these enterprises that are you're trying to go secure budget to be able to optimize your site, if you put all of your eggs in one basket and say, we're going to improve our conversion rate and we want to optimize our conversion rate, then all eyes are on that one metric. When true conversion optimization is going to have a number of effects to provide a return on your investment, an increase in average order value, a decrease in cart abandonment, less customer service inquiries, as we mentioned, less returns. All the things I mentioned in that Easton baseball case study, for instance, there are dozens of metrics you could look at, better customer satisfaction, improved net performance score. So there's so many of these things that you could be doing and metrics you could be affecting. But if you go into you and say, we want to do conversion rate optimization, that's the only metric all eyes are going to be on. Unfortunately, that is true. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the industry is called CRO industry. And, and this is where we are. I think that's a very good way to end this episode. One reminder is the book that you have that you have been mm-hmm. working on for almost a year now, Opting into yes. Optimization. It's coming out. Can you tell us when it will be available? Yeah, towards the end of October. So uh, right now it's calendar for October 26th. And uh, you can learn more about it and get a copy, of course, everywhere the books are sold, Amazon, etc. But if you want to learn more about it and download a free sample chapter, you can do that at thegood.com slash book. So put it in the description as well. Yeah, perfect. Yes, T-H-E-G-O-O-D dot com slash book. Yes, we'll definitely put this and, and a few other your LinkedIn profile and other relevant links into the description episode notes so people can just find it in an easy way. Well, that is it. I really want to thank you for doing this. I know you're a busy man. You you you, you write a lot. You work a lot. You, you are at a lot of podcasts. So I really appreciate you joining the No Hacks Marketing Podcast. It has been a pleasure to have you on. And to everyone listening, 
I know you have learned a lot today. If you have been thinking about getting into conversion optimization, now this episode is supposed to help you. You can either do one-off assessments like landing page teardowns or check out that Shopify course, which will also be linked uh, in the episode description. Or if you want to learn more about continuous optimization, The Good has a lot of resources and uh, there's no reason to wait. You should just start doing it. So thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, please consider leaving a review and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to No Hacks Marketing. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate it if you can leave a rating on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Visit nohacksmarketing.com to subscribe.